This is episode 45 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name's Matthew Bruff, and I'm a pastor and an author, and today's interview is with Paul Son. Paul uh, talks specifically to people in their 20s about their calling and what calling means, how do you discover your calling, and uh, he has this great book called Quarter Life Calling, Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s. And yeah, it's I've read it. It is a great book. I actually think it applies to more uh, you know, people outside of their 20s as well. Uh, I took a lot out of this book. And uh, Paul has a really interesting perspective because he's not, he's not a pastor and he's not necessarily coming at it from a... Uh, spirituality viewpoint, um, but he's coming out of a really kind of driven lifestyle uh, and realizing that there is more to life than than going after the goals that you might have had in your heart that you wanted um, to pursue, like wealth or what the world might think of as as normal things for your your own personal fulfillment and happiness. He went down that path and thought he had his life figured out. Uh, but then God started to do something different with him and led him on this journey to try to help others figure out what it means to be called by God. Um, and not just for ministry jobs. Like sometimes people think the only ones who are called by God are, are people like pastors and missionaries and things like that. And Paul and I talk a bunch about that in the interview, what it means to be called and have uh, a secular calling um, but how it is that God works through that. Uh, so he has some great things to say, and his book, I really do recommend it. So I, I think you're going to like this interview, uh, regardless of what life stage you're at. He even does talk, uh, touch a little bit on um, midlife uh, crisis, midlife calling right at, near the end, and also a little bit about uh, retirement as well. So that's just a tiny bit in there. Um, we, of course, also talk about uh, spiritual practices, in particular about reading the Bible and, and the joy in reading scripture. So yeah, it all around great interview, and it'll come across in this interview. Paul is just a great guy. It was so much fun uh, to talk to him. Uh, yeah, so you'll enjoy that. If you uh, do enjoy it, please feel free to go and leave a review on iTunes. It helps the podcast be more visible, and uh, and I do really appreciate it. I go and read those reviews, so um, it's nice to see those. Also, if uh, you want to go and look at the show notes, it's spiritualityforordinarypeople.com slash Paul. Sit back, relax, enjoy this interview with Paul Son. Today on the podcast, we have Paul Son. Uh, Paul is an author and a speaker, and uh, I'm just thrilled to have you on, Paul, today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, uh, we were just chatting before kind of coming, hitting the record button. Um, I had heard you first on uh, Jeff Goins' podcast talking about your book, which has been out for about a year and uh called quarter life calling and i was so impressed with the interview and hearing you speak about your book there uh that i went out and got the book and then it's kind of been uh i've been following you a little bit and then finally been able to get you on to come on the podcast here and connect which i'm so happy about um because i've just loved the loved reading through the book yeah i was super excited as well yeah 
So I'm, you're coming to us from, uh, this is my, like one of my first uh, podcasts where I'm going overseas because you're actually on a book tour right <laughs> now in Korea, which is pretty cool. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, happens to be the same time where the Olympics are happening. So i um, excited to watch some of the games here. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you here. Yeah. And so uh, the book got translated into Korean and you are Korean. Well, I'm going to say you're Korean Canadian. Even I, I actually call myself a 1.5 generation Korean Canadian American. Because you <laughs> you're, you live uh, in Southern California, but you actually grew up in Canada. Is that right? Grew up in Canada, went to high school and college. And, you know, I moved around all, growing up a lot. So I, I definitely consider myself a third culture kid. Um, but now I, you know, make myself home in uh, Orange County in California. Very cool. All right. I, I kind of want to dive into the book because I, I just, I really did enjoy it. And it is called uh, Quarter Life Calling and subtitle Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s. And I actually think, uh, I'm definitely not in my 20s. <laughs> so I, I, think for, I think it could be for people who are older than that as well. And maybe even younger too. Um, maybe even like late teenagers who are kind of thinking about mm. what am I going to do with my life? Um, but, uh, you talk about people hitting a quarter life crisis, not a midlife crisis. Like I, I think people might be familiar with a midlife crisis. So, uh, maybe kind of talk us through like, what is a quarter life crisis? And maybe did that happen to you? And is it coming, kind of coming out of your experience? Quarter life crisis, um, is, is a real thing. I really truly believe that. In fact, um, there was a recent study by LinkedIn showing that 75% of 26 to 30 year olds experience a quarter life crisis. And basically what, what it is, is um, a time where you feel the sense of maybe helplessness or anxiety or confusion about your life. You don't really know, um, um, you know, what you really want. You feel kind of feel lost maybe. And that could happen for, uh, with a mul- multiple different reasons. I think one of the key reasons why um, in the 21st century so many 20-somethings are experiencing a quarter-life crisis is because um, exposure to con- constant comparison in our lives. Mm-hmm. And with social media, with our smartphones, we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And based out of that, we're creating this you know, FOMO which really just dominates a lot of our lives when you're spending several hours a day comparing yourself. And as a result of that, you feel, I need to be at a certain place by this age, but you know, something's not happening. Um, you start to question yourself, doubt yourself. And as a result of that, many people experience a borderline crisis. Hmm. Yeah. And it, so is that, is that kind of part of your story? Is that, did, did that happen yeah, it, in that age period? Yeah, it's part of my story because, you know, for me, all my life, I thought getting into my dream job would give me the ultimate meaning and happiness. So I got into my dream job after college, working for Boeing, where I was, you know, making a lot of money in my mid-20s, great benefits, you know, great job security, working my way up to the corporate ladder. But I, I soon realized that um, there was a sense of almost like a emptiness or disappointment I could experience in my heart. I didn't really know why, but it was so real to me. Later on, I just felt so lost. I'm like, all my life, 
I live for this, but it doesn't li- didn't live up to the hype. And I started to ask myself all these questions like, you know, why am I here again? Like, you know, what is the purpose of my life? And that turned into me one night just crying out to God, um, just sobbing and just like, God, I don't know why I'm so unhappy. I'm so meaningless. Uh, I feel so empty. I just need you to tell me that, you know, things are going to be okay. And, um, you know, God told me that time, Paul, you, you've been asking the wrong questions all your life. And it was a moment where I realized that everything in my life was about, you know, what I wanted, what kind of school I wanted to go to, what kind of job I wanted to have, you know, what kind of city I wanted to live in. Never once I asked God, you know, God, what is your plan for my life? And to me, that was kind of a, one of those moments where I had like a paradigm shift of thinking about, wow, I have to really surrender myself to God, you know, even though I call myself a Christian. So long story short, that, that was a really big part of my story of going through a quarter life crisis. Yeah. And I think what you're saying at the beginning, too, about this really being a real thing um, and sharing your experience of that, I think that's important for people to hear, because I think sometimes people can just think, oh, yeah, you know someone who's, who's younger or somebody in their twenties, that's just, it's not really, it's not really a real thing that's going on for them. Yeah. I, I don't I think, know if you countered that. No, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people um, don't realize, especially the baby boomers that the time they were in their twenties look very, very different to today. 2018, where 20-somethings live, the condition, the pace of change, just talk about that. It's so fast. Um, even, you know, studies show that when you consider yourself a fully grown adult, you know, just 50 years ago, it was when you graduated high school and you just became an adult. You know, you took on a number of different roles and responsibilities. You got married a lot earlier. You have kids. Um, but now, because of the pace of change and the, the hyper-competitive environment we're in, you know, getting a bachelor's degree isn't something special. It's kind of just, right. you know, it's just par for the course. And then you have to now go for your master's degree and maybe your PhD to differentiate yourself. And that time means, you know, you can't, uh, you know, do stuff uh, that you once did when 50 years ago. So I think a lot of the things considering um, what's happening with a lot of 20-somethings today, uh, it, it's a completely different landscape. And I think, you know, there has to be some um, ways in which we can address that for right. today. Yeah. How do, you, how do you understand a calling? Like, what is a calling? You're going to explain that to somebody. Well, to me, I, I simply define calling as God's personal invitation for me to work on His agenda by unleashing my unique design in ways that are eternally significant. Yeah, you've said that a lot of times to people. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. It's yeah. kind of a mouthful, but it's calling is all, never about me, actually. A lot of people think mm-hmm. of calling as like, you know, pursuing your American dream. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, I found my calling. I found my... My ultimate dream, it's all about me, me, me. But at the essence of calling is about the caller. And our caller is God, who is our creator and author of our lives. And yeah. it's, it's never about me. It's about I'll always God. And we're just stewards. Yeah. And d- does everyone have a calling? And, and are our callings unique as well as maybe a, another thing to ask? 
Yes. Um, a lot of people think of calling as a singular, but actually I call it callings. It's plural because calling, um, everyone has a calling because ultimately there's two types of calling, if you will, a primary calling and a secondary calling. And a primary calling, in essence, is a calling to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, he is our Lord. He is our Father. And He is calling us to enter into that relationship every day. And as sons and children, we want to know Him. We want to actually be in intimacy with Him. And that's why we pray. You know, that's why we read the Bible. That's part of our you know journey, growing in our relationship with him and of Christ. So that's a, that's a universal call, I would say. But you have a secondary call, which is very unique to each person. So you actually might be called to your vocation. So that's a huge part of a conversation we talk about, vocational calling. But we also talk about being called to your family, right? So I'm currently, um, you know, a son of my parents. I'm single right now, but when I get married, you know, I'm going to be a husband. I'll be a father at one point. So there's going to be all these different types of callings that you experience. But now you talk about a vocational calling. Now that's even going even down further. And that's going to look even more different because every single person is wired differently. They have different passions and talents. And as you consider your design and think about, you know, what God might be calling me, that's going to be look very different. Yeah. Like I think, you know, reading through the book and I, I've done other stuff around a calling or gifts that we might have, like there's a lot of factors that go into, um, into this. It's not necessarily just, okay, God told me one day, this is what I'm supposed to do, but there's also, you know, what you're skilled at and also what you're passionate about. Um, but it, like passion is not always necessarily enough. Um, but what you're good at is not really enough either. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it sounds like there's a lot of factors into what the callings, the various callings might be, but also um, how you figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I say, you know, you need to find your sweet spot. And a sweet spot, if you will, is an intersection of four areas. It's looking at your God-given personality. It's looking at your, your passions, your interests. It's also looking at, you know, some of your gifts and talents God's given you. And lastly, and most importantly, you need to look at your life experiences. And as you consider those four different areas, then thinking about maybe if there is a, a, a type of work that I could engage in that leverages all those four areas, that's what I would call, you know, living in your sweet spot. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think there there's a great place in the book um, where you're talking like specifically kind of around some, I think you call them pitfalls of calling. And, um, and I really, really like that because one of the, all of them really resonated with me. The first one, I think you said is spiritual calling is more important than secular calling. Um, that that's a pitfall. People believe that, um, as a pastor, I kind of, uh, I kind of have seen that quite a bit. Um, but you go on and talk about some other things. Uh, another one that really stuck out for me, I think was the fourth one was we can believe that pursuing calling is a luxury only for the upper middle class. Um, so I'd love to hear more about maybe the first one that, that we kind of sometimes believe that spiritual calling is more important than secular calling. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times we elevate the spiritual callings. What I mean by that is maybe, you know, if you're called to be a pastor or called to be a missionary or, you know, you're called to do work in the church. Right. Or we think those are the only legitimate calls. 
right? Right, exactly. Maybe not always necessarily more important, but the only real calling from God is to go and work in a church or go and be a missionary or or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so true. And I think it's still very prevalent in a lot of churches where people feel, uh, you know, I'm not called to be a pastor. So, you know, my, my sense of calling is somehow inferior, right? But, you know, the Bible talks about how um, every every person has a calling and it's sacred. And you might be called to be a, you know, accountant or a bank loan officer, a businessman, you know, uh, even being a mom, a dad, you know, all, all those areas of calling um, are, are huge parts of you becoming salt and light of this world. So I truly believe that if you have that mindset where, you know, this is what God has called me to do, you're going to work with all your heart and being able to use that as a way to worship God, you know? So I think it's one of the big myths out there that still needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think so too. I like, there's this little book um, by, uh, he's a Canadian Presbyterian uh, theologian, uh, it's called the other six days. Isn't it? So the, the theologian is yeah. Joseph McClelland. Yeah. And, um, and so it's written like, ah, 1950s, 1960s. And so it's, I mean, it, I'm not necessarily saying people should go read it, but it, um, but it's talking about how there's Sunday and then there's the other six days. And, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing is around, uh, the, the holiness of work. And, uh, so it's this great book, but one of the parts of it is that he says, the, the people who have a strange, or I think he says peculiar calling, are pastors. Mm. Like, that's actually not the normal calling. There's, mm. that, that's, that's peculiar, actually, to be called yeah. to work in the church. He said most people are called at least in two ways. One is to serve God. Uh, and one is, is that you've got a job that you're doing out in the world. And he says pastors mm-hmm. are strange because the, those callings are kind of linked. They're they're serving God in the context of their job. And, yeah. and not that we're not serving God in our jobs. We are. And he, and he makes that clear, but he's saying, you know, pastors are actually the weird ones here. It's not, that's not the aim. And that's not the goal is to, is to have people, you know, God's only calling pastors. He's like, God's calling everybody. And the pastors have the weird calling. <laughs> everybody else has these sort of dual roles or right. even more roles. I mean, I think you would argue even more roles than a dual role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's so important for people to hear. Um, the other one that I thought was awesome that you focused on, because I don't, I don't know if I've heard people talking about this anywhere. I think they often, um, either books or people, speakers are often talking as though everybody is on the same playing field, especially financially, um, but also socially, and, uh, and kind of just assuming that what they're saying is, is for sure for everyone. And so you actually address that in the book in, the, in just a small section. And I thought that was awesome, saying that pursuing calling is a luxury only for the upper middle class. I yeah. think people can assume that that is actually true, but then nobody necessarily addresses, like, is that true or is that not true? Right. So yeah. what, do you, what do you say about that? Well, I, I really believe that calling is, you know, every single person has a calling. Now, if you're living in places like the West, where it's developed countries and nations, you might have more opportunity to pursue those things. Definitely, that's, you know, the reality. But that doesn't negate the fact that if you are born somewhere in Somalia, where you're trying to survive, you're just wasting your life. No, like you have a calling. Um, and I think being able to understand just the, the nuances and the, 
the challenges that come with also where you are is something very important. For instance, like here in Korea, one of the challenges um, that many people face is, you know, I'm just trying to make my ends meet. Um, but how do I talk think about calling in that way of trying to do something that I feel called to do? And I think the, the odds of facing the challenge is a lot greater, but that doesn't negate the fact that you were created by God who created you as a masterpiece and you are, are you have certain talents and gifts and you really want to leverage that. So how you do that might be a different question um, because you might not have the resources, you might not have the time, um, and that might, you know, take a long longer for you to think through. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all part of this idea that you are fearfully, wonderfully made and you are created for a purpose. And calling is one of the key ways to discover that. So, um, yeah, it, it's a big thing. And that's why I'm here, because I believe that, you know, every person has a calling. Yeah, I think it's really good to address that. Um, I wanted to read a quote from your book uh, that really uh, stood out to me. Um, you wrote before I was driven. So you're talking about, you know, your, your previous life of uh, pursuing, uh, wealth and all of that. Uh, before I was driven, I was preoccupied with material symbols of achievement. I was addicted in the uncontrolled pursuit of expansion. Now I am called. I live and work with an unwavering sense of purpose. I embrace littleness, hiddenness, and powerlessness. I am liberated from my walls of self-preservation, God is directing my path. Uh, what does it mean to embrace littleness, hiddenness, and powerlessness in, in this context? What does that look like? For me, I've always thought I could control my life. I was one of those guys who had a 5, 10, 15-year strategic plan of my life. If, if you were to ask me, Paul, like, where do you see yourself? I'm like, I could go on for an entire hour talking about all my little plans and all the things that I've crafted. <laughs> But, you know, what's so funny about calling is the more I understand the sense of call in my life, the less I know about what's actually going to happen. Let's say, like, am I going to pursue what I'm doing currently today from several years from now? I do not know. And before, that would really agitate me. I'm like, oh, I have to know every single thing. But now, it actually gives me a lot more peace because God has reminded me that God is the ultimate answer. And if I have complete reliance and dependence on God, who knows me more than anybody else, then I know he's got my back. You know, I know he's, he, he's, he's covered me, you know, and that confidence I think is so huge because now um, I just go back to, you know, the verse Proverbs three, five of six that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and there's this idea of trusting in the lord with all my heart is a, a, a lesson god's been teaching me for the last several years so i think you know part of what i now realize is yeah i don't know i don't know what's going to happen in the next five years i may not even be here who knows you know i may die like God willing, not, you know, but, you know, but I don't know. But what I know is God has given me, a, made me a specific uh, way. And um, I have a vision, but how that vision might be accomplished will look very differently depending on the doors God's been opening. But uh, my just, my goal is now just to be faithful in every moment, uh, every uh, opportunity he's given me 
and to just to be more like Jesus. And I think that's kind of the big paradigm shift that I've been able to experience. Yeah, I think this might be different than what people might think because they might think, oh, I've got to figure out my calling and that's going to give me, and then I'm going to have the key to have the perfect plan, the perfect 10, 15 year plan, right? Because I'm going to totally know what I'm called to do, who I'm called to be. And then I'm going to have this, this roadmap and it's going to be awesome. And, and I'm just going to be able to follow the roadmap, but you're kind of saying, actually, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Mm -hmm. It's more relational, right? Like it's more right connected to God, placing your trust in God, it's mm -hmm. more realizing that you're called and that there's a caller and putting your trust in that caller. And, and maybe you get Absolutely. bits of that plan revealed as you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe this is why I resonated with the book so much because it was, it was kind of reminding me, yes. Okay. I had a spiritual calling in the sense that I was called to be a pastor. Um, but I actually really worried about that. I didn't know if I wanted to be a pastor for the rest of my life. Mm. And, um, I, I was kind of reluctant. I didn't really aspire to be a pastor. Mm. And one of my, that was one of my big fears was like, oh, I'm going to be ordained. And that's like a lifelong thing. Like I, I know I'm lifelong committed to Jesus. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to be a pastor forever. And I was sure. talking to uh, another minister about this. Um, you know, when I was first thinking about going to seminary and, and he just said to me, um, you can only know what God is calling you to do today. Mm. And so if God's calling you to be a pastor today, maybe you should act on that until yeah. you hear God calling you to do something else. Yeah. And that has just stuck with me for so long. Like this is now, uh, you know, over 15 years of being a pastor in ministry, but within that time of ministry, I've had the opportunity to do all kinds of different things that I never would have imagined back then when I was, you know, 20 years old, mm -hmm. first having that conversation. But I thought that was great advice just saying, you know, if you believe this is what God's calling you to do now, then act on that. But five years from now, God might call you to do something totally different. Absolutely. That's, that's a well point, well stated point. Yeah. Um, you also have a chapter called Redeeming Work. I don't want to give away your entire book. People should just go and buy your book. That would be really good too. But uh, you have a great chapter called Redeeming Work. And um, I think it's actually a really important chapter uh, that people should for sure go and take a look at. Mm. Um, because I, I don't think that we necessarily approach our thinking about work in, in particularly healthy ways. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about some of our problematic ways of thinking about work itself and then how might we change our thinking to be closer to the way God or even the Bible depicts our work life? Yeah, well, I think, you know, work, um, there are several ways people think about work. I think one camp thinks of work as a necessary evil. So when people think about work, they're like, gosh, it's, one of those things where I'm trying to, you know, use uh, as a means to an end. Um, people clock in, clock out. Uh, people who consider work that way um, are very much maybe less engaged and um, they just kind of are going through the motions. Mm -hmm. uh, but also there's people on the other side of the camp, which is where I used to be, is uh, you're, you're, you idolize work. Uh, work becomes who you are um, and your, your, your identity is exclusively defined by the work you do. 
and maybe the promotions you have and you know the job title and that's where we somehow worship work and as a result of that we put um, work above anything else right and uh, it becomes very dangerous because now what happens if you just stopped working what happens um, you got laid off from work you feel completely devastated and as a result of that you might have depression you know you might have all these complications that come with that so I think having a very healthy perspective of work is very important. What I tell people is work, um, well, what I talk about calling is actually calling is, is not the same as your job, right? Because right. you may retire of your job, but you may not retire of your calling. And work is a part of your calling, but work is not just your job. Being a mom is actually work. Most people don't realize that. Uh, when I see my mom, I see how much work she puts in. But I think the world we live in today is no, you can't just be a mom. You got to be a working mom. You got to do all these things and you got to have this perfect role model of, you know, working and taking care of your kids. And I mean, there's some people who could do that very well, but I think most people could actually have a lot of challenges with that as well. So understanding that work itself, I think, is uh, part of God's mandate because God itself, himself was the first worker, just reading, uh, you know, Genesis one, yeah. you will actually be able to see that. Uh, but understanding that work has uh, been impacted by the fall and it's not going to be as easy and simple as it looks like there's going to be, you know, sweats and toils and just a lot of hard work that you have to experience. Um, and, and that's part of reality that we have to embrace. Um, I always tell people that, you know, when you're pursuing your calling, um, yes, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's not like what people think of as this glamorous thing. You just suddenly find your calling and everything looks so amazing and you're never going to have those days where you're sad or anxious or depressed, or there's going to be a full of amazing. You're always going to be alive. Um, I think that's what you watch in Hollywood movies. (laughs) I think uh, actually, a lot of days you're going to also feel a sense of uh, anxiety or you'll be not at ease and you're like questioning all these questions. But, you know, at deep at the heart of who you are, I think there's a sense of peace knowing that this is what God has started in your life and God is going to lead your path and guide your path. And he's at the center of my life instead of me where I'm trying to figure out everything by myself and the other approach is all about self-centeredness which um, is not going to work. So I think that's a big part of that. I think as well, like there might be something to uh, like, what are we sacrificing ourselves for? Like, I, I think, I think of people who are like sacrifice themselves over their families for their jobs. Um, wow. And I know this is a particular problem actually in ministry because the job is so linked with, well, I'm doing God's work. Yeah. So, but yeah. rather than laying down your life for the sake of others as Jesus did or laying down your life for God and saying, God, use me. Mm-hmm. People kind of give themselves over to their jobs and then wonder why, like, why is it not giving back to me? Like, why am I not getting the sense of fulfillment yeah. back from, from it? Because we're, we're misplacing it. And that is in a way, like you said, idolizing that job. We set it up uh, as an idol. I think it's super useful to go back to Genesis too, like you do in the book. And you just sort of mentioned mm-hmm. that as well. And realize that we might think God is a, or we might think uh, work is a curse, right? Um, yeah. But it's not. It's um, it, the the hard work is what you know. It's it's made more difficult because of the fall. 
but work was in place right at the beginning, right? It was something, it's actually a gift from God as, as how, mm-hmm. I think how you put it in the book. I, I thought that was brilliant to kind of make that observation and, and realize that there's uh, there's this giftedness of, of work that's there and it can be fulfilling. Yeah. Um, okay for your, it's okay for your job to be fulfilling, but it's not always going to be. And mm-hmm. often it's going to be, and it probably should be hard work for it to be fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, this podcast is about spiritual practices and we haven't really been talking much about that, but I wonder what role do spiritual practices, like things like prayer or reading the Bible, mm. or if there are other, other things that you might do to connect with God and what role do they play in your life? These days, I, um, God's been really teaching me a lot uh, lately um, about just the power of the living word of God. And I've, I've always been a reader and a learner, and um, I usually read anywhere from 50 plus books a year. Um, just reading is just embedded into who I am. I love learning. But last year, I realized that I spent all this time reading these books about the Bible, but I have not really spent a lot of time reading the Bible, which is very ironic. Um, and I'm like, gosh, that's not good. And I had a very busy last year traveling and speaking and writing and, you know, doing all these stuff, which seems so productive, but at the core of who I am, I felt very kind of out of center, you know, like I felt I was just so uh, busy and I felt I was so restless and I'm like, why am I experiencing this? And, um, you know, as I spent the last year, this December, just kind of reflecting over the year, God's been teaching me, Paul, you got to go back to the center and the center is reading and studying and meditating on God's word. So this year um, I've kind of made uh, my own commitment where I'm going to actually study the Word of God, um, and really just spend time immersing in His Word. Um, and that's going to take a lot of sacrifices. For, for me, I'm going to actually, re- I've been reducing the number of books I read in order to really study the Word. And it's been amazing. So far, I, I'm, I'm currently going through the book of Proverbs now. Mm. And, um, you know, I've been, you know, reading uh, probably about two, two to three hours a day, um, just the Bible. And just, it's been one of the best things for my soul. Um, and I wish that I could have spent more time in my 20s really just reading the Bible because there's never been a time in my life where reading the Bible was so much fun. Like, it's not even funny. Like, it's so much fun. I'm like, why? Like, why did I never experience this fun and joy of reading the Bible? Uh, but you know, thank God He's given me this desire now because I'm just soaking everything up. And for me, um, I've been learning a lot about how I have to build my character first and foremost as the foundation to everything I do. Because I think as leaders, you um, are going to experience um, a lot of success, and with success, it comes a lot of temptation. And without the character. It's so easy to fall. And I've noticed myself so many areas that I have to work on. And thanks to the Bible, I'm just trying to work every day to become more like Jesus. So, um, yeah, the reading the Bible to me recently has been uh, one of the best structural practices that's been uh, transformational. 
Yeah, I love that you say uh, with with some surprise. Oh, reading the Bible is fun. Like I, I don't actually hear that from a lot of people. Um, yeah, right. I'm surprised I actually said it because <laughs> it, it's like really fun, and I don't know why I never thought that way. I always felt like I had to, you know, as a Christian, yeah. I am obliged to or I must. But now it's like, wow, I get to read God's word. Um, it's so amazing. I get to know more about God, who is my creator and father. It's just, it's just so full of learning and surprises and just like, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it reminds me this week. Um, I, I've been doing, I did a, a two part series on, on eldership in the church. Cause we our, our church is organized by elder. Like we have elders who govern our church and we're finding new elders right now in our congregation. And, uh, so I did a two part and read from, there was a reading from the book of Titus, uh, one of Paul's letters. Um, and I decided, I didn't, wasn't sure why I decided to do this, but decided let's just read the whole letter. It's only three chapters. So mm-hmm. part of my message was just reading through the letter and then pausing here and there just to kind of comment, but mostly it was just reading the letter and we got to Titus three. And as I read it to the people in the congregation, I just, like at the end of it, I just said, wow, this is awesome, guys. <laughs> like, this is, this is so great. If ever you want to be encouraged at all, just go on. Yeah. Like, did you hear those six verses we just read? Like, that's so great. Like, thinking, like, I don't need to even preach a sermon about this. Like, like mm. you're saying about books about the Bible or some right. preaching about the Bible. Those are valuable. Those are great. But sometimes you can just read something and just say, okay, everyone, like, can we just pay attention to what's being said here? Cause isn't this amazing? Mm-hmm. And it like, it's just this beautiful passage about God's grace embedded in a book that is not necessary. doesn't necessarily seem like it's about that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's right there and you just, all, it just hits you. So I, maybe listeners can, they can go look it up. They can go look up uh, <laughs> three and go and read it and see what I'm talking about it. But it's just this beautiful, beautiful passage. Um, so I think that's maybe too, as well, if you're coming to it thinking, um, you know, the same way you might be, thinking, ah, oh, I really, there's a book of fiction that I've, that I've wanted to get and I wanted to dive into, or a movie that you wanted to watch that you were really looking forward to. When we treat the Bible that way, sometimes our, like it changes our, our attitude when, and we get surprised by the joy that's found there. And it's, mm. uh, it's like, why are we not expecting this? Like it's God's word. <laughs> right. And it's kind of interesting, but yeah, I think, you know, I just, as, as you say that, I'm just thinking, wow, what would a world look like if we had this generation who starts reading the Bible more? Because we're looking at new stats, right, from Barna showing every year how fewer and fewer people are uh, biblically literate. A lot of people just don't really know even what the Bible says, even though they say they're Christians. And as a result of that, it becomes all about opinions instead of the truth. And um, I just have a growing passion. And as I talk about calling, as I talk about God, people like I want to encourage people say, hey, just start just reading the gospel. Start start there and start just reading about uh, the Bible and learning about who, who the person of Jesus is. Because the more you get to know him, that's going to just transform your life. Yeah, yeah. Um where where should someone should someone just start at the gospels like is that kind of what you think if someone's like probably some people listening are thinking well i don't have two hours i'm, I'm not, i don't have two hours a day to read the bible so yeah 
What do I do? I mean, you don't have to spend two hours. I just say spend five minutes, you know, spend just with one chapter to start. I think that's the biggest thing. Most people just don't start. Um, I think one of the best ways to do this is uh, not by yourself, but actually with uh, a group of people, a community or a group of friends and saying, hey, let's just read a chapter a day or whatever that is. And let's talk about it. And if there is more accountability, there's more, um, you know, it's going to be more successful for you. And you're not just growing yourself, but you're going with a group of people and you're able to ask questions and really, you know, encourage each other and support each other and learn together. And I think that's so powerful. So anybody listening here is like, I don't know where to start. Maybe start with a gospel or maybe um, just one chapter a day and maybe find somebody who's also interested to read the Bible. Yeah. I I think that's a really good advice. Like doing this in community, um, you know, whether that's people from church or just friends, I think that's a really good thing. And if there's, uh, you know, some people might not have somebody close to them, but there's great opportunities online to connect with people as well. Right. Um, So, and we, like, we have a couple of uh, 20 somethings in our congregation who are doing like, uh, I think they're reading the Bible in chronological order together mm-hmm. they decided on their own they just told me they were doing it that's uh, awesome and so and they just they use you version so the mm-hmm. bible app right and then there's reading plans on there and you can connect to one another on the app so they're holding one another accountable to do their reading yeah and uh and sort of can see each other's uh, progress so that's maybe not for everyone but it's working for them and they they decided to do that without any kind of church institution from top down telling them okay we're all going to do this because sometimes that's the i feel like i have to but they've done that themselves which is awesome that's really cool yeah very encouraged to hear that yeah um yeah i've loved talking to you uh paul but i know you've probably got you've got a busy schedule with uh with your book tour and and so i'm gonna we'll wrap up um, but where can people find you online or where can they get the books? What's the best way to, to connect with you? Uh, you can connect me with me on uh, social media, on you know, whether Facebook, Instagram, or just if you go want to get free resources or um, read more content on calling or even on millennials, you can either go to my personal site, which is paulsone.org. Or you could go to kara.org, Q-A-R-A.org. Um, yeah, and if you want to get a book, it's on Amazon. Um, so you can just grab a copy there. But um, yeah, I would love to connect with any of you guys who have questions or just want to engage in more conversations on this topic. That's cool. I just realized as you're saying it, I didn't even ask you about Kara. Um, but you might want to just tell people what that is. Yeah, so Kara is an organization where we guide emerging adults to discover their unique calling. So emerging adults are anybody from uh, 18 to early 30s. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a big heart and passion to practically show them how to find their calling because, you know, calling is a very ambiguous, vague word for a lot of people. So I break it down by helping them discover their design, what I call finding your sweet spot. And, um, yeah, we, I go and speak and we have different type of online courses that we're launching in a, in a month or so. So, um, yeah, you definitely go check out the free resources mm-hmm. at car.org. 
Yeah. Do you partner with other organizations at all or is it? Yeah, we partner uh, with, I mean, uh, a lot of churches, Christian colleges. um, Because sometimes like if anybody's listening to this, who maybe is not in that, in that age category, but might work with, with them or that kind of thing, they, they can go check that out and, uh, and be in touch and that kind of thing. Yeah, another great resource that I believe for people who are a little bit older in their 40s and 50s um, is called Halftime. Um, they do a lot of interesting work in the lines of living out your purpose as well. Okay. But their their goal is to overcome the midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's real too. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks so much for doing this, Paul. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Matthew. All right. Take care.